Good morning. This morning's Old Testament readings is Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9, and it's on page 242 of your pew Bibles. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient with the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that to take away the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed to the people, for the people. The Lord said unto Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on, up on a pole. Then whenever anyone was bitten by a snake, he looked at the bronze snake and he lived. The New Testament reading for this morning on page 1659, 49 of your pew Bibles, John 3, 1 through 17. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracle signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can this be? How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, 
that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it, but to save the world through him. The reading of God's word. I'm going to try to make the microphone do the heavy lifting this morning. I woke up yesterday morning. My allergies, which usually make their unwelcome uh, visit in April, seem to have come a little early. But spring seems to be a little early all around us. So I, um, I, I will croak and sneeze and horse my way through this, uh, through this sermon. But let us go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts in all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was a swelteringly hot August afternoon, and the at my door was very unwelcome. I was sitting right in front of my rotator fan. And I did not want to get up and see the source of the knock. Well, I got up from the living room and made my way into the kitchen where the front door was and looked through the window. I saw two very eager, earnest young men with white shirts on and little black name badges. And, you know, you got to think for me, and I was was in college at the time, I was a smart alecky method. Joe and I thought, maybe I'm going to have a little fun with these guys. So I opened the door and a little perturbed for having to get up from my cool chair. In my kitchen of my apartment at the time, we had a big, giant, velvet Jesus hanging on the wall. You know the velvet Elvis? Well, this was a velvet Jesus. And he was poised in prayer, uh, I think, over Jerusalem, right? There's that scripture where Jesus is praying over Jerusalem. And that image was there in the kitchen. And so I answered the knock and I said, oh, good afternoon. And they said, we want to tell you about Jesus and about how to be born again. And I looked right to them and I said, who? (laughs) And these two gentlemen, they, they couldn't have been a day over 18, looked at me and looked behind me at the picture and looked at me again and said, him. Oh, and I started laughing and got to talk to them a little bit. And um, have you ever had that knock on the door? And maybe it's a religious solicitation, maybe not. Um, But I thought it was interesting. I pressed them a little bit and I said, no, um, I said, I just want you to know that I, I'm a Christian. I go to this church and I follow Jesus. And they said, oh, that's good. And they said, um, they said, but if you really want to be born again, you'll come and join our church. 
And I said, oh, I said, okay, let's have some coffee and talk about the Mets or something. Um, let's, uh, but anyway, we, we had a good conversation and left it at that. Um, but those words stuck in my mind. And that conversation has been with me for close to 20 years now. That knock on that door, the question, or the, the proposition rather, we want to talk to you about Jesus and about how to be born again. And the notion that I had to, I had to become a Mormon. I, I couldn't quite know about Jesus unless I joined their church. That experience stuck with me, I believe, because I've had many experiences similar to that, subsequent to it, of people who have come to me and unless I accepted their denominational prescriptions or came to their church that I really didn't quite follow Jesus. So I think it's important then that we go to John chapter 3, the source of that statement regarding being born again, and find out what Jesus means by that. I think that's a good starting place. Churches or denominations can opine all they want about the way to be born again. But if it's out of sync with what Jesus offered in John chapter 3, I dare say we best go with Jesus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Teacher of the law, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus at night. Comes to Jesus at night. Now, the Gospel of John, yeah, Nick at night, there we go. Nicodemus at night. The Gospel of John is brilliant at this. Playing opposites against each other or with each other. So, for example, a dominant theme of the Gospel of John is light and dark. It shows up in literal ways. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. We find toward the end of John's Gospel... That when Judas stands up from the table at the Last Supper and goes out to betray Jesus, you know what the author says? It was night. We find Jesus in John chapter 1 who is the what? The light of the world. So we have light and dark functioning on a literal level, but also the writer wants us to understand something of spiritual significance. That human beings and the world we live in is dark. That is, it does not understand spiritual realities. And Jesus, who is the light of the world, who is the standard for all spiritual reality, comes into the world. And immediately, there's this clash of light and dark. So when Nicodemus, when Nick at night, comes to Jesus in John chapter 3, very likely that he came under cover of literal darkness. Here's a Pharisee coming to see this rabble-rouser Jesus. Best to come at night, where he might not be seen. But John also wants us to understand something about Nicodemus himself. He comes at night. Here is someone who should have understanding. He has all sorts of book knowledge. He's well-educated, but still spiritually, he's darkened. He comes to Jesus, and immediately the misunderstanding is apparent. 
Nicodemus, who I think is well-intentioned, and I'm going to put to you in just a moment that there are Nicodemuses all around us, maybe even some here right now. Nicodemus, well-intentioned, sees something in Jesus that has caught his interest, realizes that Jesus is different, comes to him and says, Teacher, you must be from God, otherwise how could you do all of this? Jesus says, that's right. And unless you are born again or born anew, born from above, the Greek can all be translated in those different ways. Unless you are born again, you can't see. You can't perceive. You can't understand. You won't have a grasp of spiritual reality. Unless that happens, you'll stay in the darkness can't perceive the light. And immediately there's a misunderstanding. Nicodemus says, how can I how can I be born another time? I'm a grown man. And Jesus responds, unless you're born water and spirit, which scholars have understood in different ways, I believe that Jesus is referring to this long Old Testament tradition that talks about God's spirit as water and spirit. And that there's a cleansing, renewing, changing aspect to an encounter with God. So Jesus says, unless you encounter God and everything about you, your entire perception of reality, the way that you engage in the world, your complete orientation to relationships, to values, to right and wrong, unless all of that moves from darkness into light, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And then they continue with these misunderstandings. And finally, Jesus offers the verse that might be the greatest encapsulation of the entire biblical witness. For God. For God. For any human action. Before any human response. For God. So loved the world. And he gave his only son. That whomever believes in him should not perish or die have eternal life. You know, Nicodemus shows up two more times in the Gospel of John. Around chapter 9 or 10, Nicodemus advocates for Jesus in front of other Pharisees who want to condemn him. And then Joseph of Arimathea, and who does John include? But Nicodemus in John chapter 20 who go and get the body of Jesus and bury it. I think something in this encounter must have changed Nicodemus. Because quietly and subtly, he shows up two more times. And you know, when Jesus dies, when he's killed, when he draws his last breath, he's almost completely, Completely deserted. 
by his closest friends and followers. But who shows up, according to John? Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Going to the place where he could have been in serious trouble. The body of someone who was executed for crimes against the state that is claiming to be the Messiah. And knowing full well the danger, where does Nicodemus end up? At the cross to take care of the body of Jesus. Someone who I believe must have become his Lord. Someone whom I believe an encounter with moved Nicodemus from the darkness into light. Friends, there's Nicodemus is all around us. Maybe some of you are here today and you're Nicodemus. Good, well-intentioned people who are curious about Jesus and maybe want to know a little bit more. I think our world all around us, we see people who are fascinated by Jesus. We see people who might know a little bit about religion. People who maybe want to ask questions about this Jesus fellow. And you know what, friends, you and I, you know what we are? We're called to be the what? The light. The light of the world. How does Jesus work in the world today? Through this, his church. Through his bride. We're his hands and his feet. And friends, I believe all around us there are people like Nicodemus, who are hungry. And what are you and I doing to represent the light of the world in the midst of the darkness? Friends, there's opportunities all around us for people who might just, who might just, like Nicodemus, end up at the foot of the cross with Jesus himself. Yet it was questions and finding something compelling about this Jesus fellow that caused Nicodemus to seek him out in the first place. I believe this scripture gives us a challenge today. What are you and I doing to represent Jesus to the world around us in such a way that people come to us and say, Nelson, there's something different. Bill, there's something different in the way you respond to this. Where we shine our little bit of light in the darkness around us. Jesus is our model, our example here. He is the only one. Friends, don't miss this. He is the only one through his love for us made known on that cross who can transfer anybody from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He's the only one. And what are you and I doing? with so great a Savior and so great a great news. What are we doing? Friends, you and I are the light for a lot of nicks at night, a lot of people who are living in the darkness, who've got questions and are curious, who want to understand, who want to make sense of this world. You and I have the answer. Let's shine the light of Christ.